Welcome back, Bayside. Streaming only on Peacock. Can't wait to start junior year. Saved by the Bell is back. This is gonna be awesome. And taking school spirit. Our rivals just destroyed our mascot. We're gonna crush Valley. To the max. If we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have all these reboots of teen shows from the 90s. Get a new idea, Hollywood. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside! Streaming only on Peacock. Can't wait to start junior year. Saved by the Bell is back. This is gonna be awesome! And taking school spirit? Our rivals just destroyed our mascot. We're gonna crush Valley. To the max. If we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have all these reboots of teen shows from the 90s. Get a new idea, Hollywood. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still real to me, damn it! everybody welcome to this week's edition of the so real Talk show episode number 598 july 29th 2021 welcome to this week's edition of srtu i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my host the one only dr trey franklin dr trey i'm i'm sorry about anthony rizzo my friend you know, I was just about to tell you off the air before we jumped into it. I said, in one day, the Cubs, my favorite team, traded away my favorite player, and the Lakers, my favorite NBA team, acquired my least favorite player. So it's been a very, very interesting day in the world of sports. Yeah, I mean, talk about moves in the world of sports. For those that are baseball, basketball fans, tons of trades going on in Major League Baseball and in the NBA when it comes to the draft. Uh, NBA draft going on. Russell Westbrook growing to the LA Lakers. Um, it's uh, it's been a day for sports fans, Doctor Trey. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things. Like, if you're a baseball fan, like you and I are, like trade deadlines probably like our favorite day of the year. Um, you're just a bit lucky. The Yankees are never sellers. Uh, but they like, were in 2016. Yeah, that's true. But like, for like that's the year we got Chapman from you guys. And, and gave away a ton of players. And this year it's like, okay, well, now we're going to give away our guys. Um, it's just weird seeing the Cubs and Yankees make a trade. It just always kind of weirds me out when that happens. How cool would it be if there was, like, trades in promotions in professional wrestling, tying it back to our uh, wrestling roots here? Like, imagine if if we heard, like, WWE and AEW made some sort of deal for a trade. I mean, in theory, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, everybody's on contracts. It's the same profession. I don't see why Triple H couldn't, you know, call up, uh, you know, Cody and be like, hey, you know, uh, 
we'll trade you Roman Reigns for the Elite and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty cool. I guess the closest thing right now is what's going on in AEW currently with the uh, the Forbidden Door being open. Uh, even though like it, it feels like lately that Impact Wrestling's a little bit more open to uh, having non their actual organization stars performing, but uh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Be like uh, WWE has traded Roman Reigns for Kenny Omega to AEW. Like that would be a massive blockbuster deal if professional wrestling was allowed to have a trading deadline. Like there'd be no reason to. It would just be cool because like the WWE is not going to be sellers. They're not like oh we're not going to win the championship this year. Let's just sell and help AEW get better, like in the normal thoughts of uh, of trades in the sports world. But, uh, yeah, it would be pretty cool to see something like that. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe someday, Dr. Trey, maybe, th- maybe there's going to be a trade someday. Yeah, I just don't know if you trade Roman Reigns for Kenny Omega straight up. Like, that's... That would be a great debate for the fans of the show. So they're going, listen, if we're going to trade Roman, like, what does AEW actually give up? So you're saying if there was a theoretical... Now, this sounds like old-school sports radio stuff, right? Because all the time, my trade proposal always stinks anyway. So if there was a theoretical proposal between WWE and AEW that would send Roman Reigns to AEW, and AEW is sending Kenny Omega to the WWE, you think straight up Reigns versus Omega is not enough? No, no. Not if you look at the grand scheme of wrestling and merchandise sales and notoriety and everything else like it's you know there is a image like you know if you're talking straight up in ring work yeah it's a fair deal if you're looking at impact on a profession um to me reigns has a higher value than kenny omega so to me like you have to do like omega and the you know maybe not you know the young bucks but you know omega penta and ray phoenix for roman reigns what do you think okay so you said Penta, Ray Phoenix, and Kenny Omega for Roman Reigns? I think that getting a top flight tag team that you can also... So not top flight the tag team. You mean a top flight tag team. But like, you know, a top level tag team. But not top flight the tag team in AEW. No, I, yeah. Top of the card tag team. A tag team that you can put at the top of the division there. So would Bucks and Omega for Reigns be too... Swaying the fences over to WWE side. I want they're getting back. Yeah, I think that would be probably too much. How about yeah. Omega and Darby Allen for Roman Reigns? That's yeah, that's a little bit more interesting because then you have somebody you can build the future around and somebody that can step into the top spot right away. So yeah, I mean that's you would need like you know it's it's like uh, trading a starting pitcher for like you're trading your ace for maybe a number two starter and a prospect. That kind of approach is, I think, what you would get to do for Roman Reigns. All right, one more of these these theoretical. I mean, this is even on the show rundown of things I want to talk about. Just is just natural the conversation here. If we did Kenny Omega and MJF for Roman Reigns, is that a fair deal? Um, I would say WWE would be getting a, maybe a little bit better because I think I think MJF with the right marketing behind WWE as a heel could be their piper. You know, he could oh, be absolutely. That so, like, with the right marketing and, you know, MJF's a good-looking guy, young, you can really build the – he's arguably, like, maybe uh, – if you look at blue-chip prospects, like Jim Ross likes to say, he's probably right there with, what, you know, maybe maybe a, a slight notch below what The Rock was, you know, that same kind of timeline and experience in his career. Like, 
I think MJF could be that kind of guy. So, um, yeah, I, I think if that was the theoretical trade with Omega and MJF for Roman, uh, WWE would come out ahead on that one in the long run. Yeah, MJF's like the only guy I feel like. Now, um, yeah, probably the only guy now that Undertaker has kind of pulled back the curtain that does just straight-up kayfabe. Like, he does not change the character at all at any point, which is pretty hard to do nowadays. Dan Housen in Ring of Honor also does not break kayfabe. Yeah, but we all know that's like a comic book character, though, right? I mean... So is Undertaker. True, true. Okay, I see what you're saying. That is a very good point. So Dan Housen is definitely someone, because you don't... But you could... You could Google Dan Housen like before the character and you find how he, quote, really is. But I guess you could do the same thing with Undertaker back in the day as well when he was in WCW as Mean Mark Callis. Yeah. All right, that's so. a good point. I would say MJF and Dan Housen, I guess, are probably the only two, right? I, I would say Bray Wyatt, but you see so many pictures of him. Like, in, like today I saw one of him in a grocery store. Like he's just a normal guy, no doubt, but he's not um, – He's not playing up the character. Even on Twitter, he's he's not playing up the character all that much. I don't know if The Fiend would be allowed in a Publix or, you know. That'd be something. What's the giant? Uh, the giant. Piggly is Wiggly. That, is that the, what's the big chain up there in the Northeast? Is it giant? Stop and Shop. Stop and Shop, yeah. Yeah, it's like giant. It's it's. I think it's giant in other places and Stop and Shop up here. I still have my Stop and Shop card, Jeff, from my, all my times in the Northeast. Wow. Wow, that's that's something hard to find in the South. Yeah, yeah. People's like, I, we clean up my wall, they'll start seeing like different membership rewards cards. They're like, what the heck is a giant food? What they stop and shop? And it's like, oh, yeah, in the South, it's like a Publix or a food lion. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you yeah. got to throw the comparisons. And then like it's um, a Goodlings down in Florida. I think Florida and Georgia has a bunch of Goodlings. All right, Dr. Trey, let's get into it. Speaking of AAW. Uh, we talked about it, the reports last week, but we obviously didn't get too in depth with it, with, uh, with everything going on with money in the bank, but, uh, let's talk about it here. The overall impact of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan potentially signing with AEW. I feel like it's in this weird little spot right now. You have a ton of people that are extremely excited. I would say 70% of people are excited. This is just like a trade for any one of your teams, by the way, like you're excited, but then you think of. Like, I was excited for Joey bringing him back to baseball, excited about Joey Gallo, but I was like, man, he strikes out a lot. Like, we can never be fully happy. So, like, 70% of fans right now, or at least a fan, 70% of a fan is, like, really excited that CM Punk and Daniel Bryan may become an AEW. The 30% of it is like, oh, man, but what's going to happen to MJF? What's going to happen to Darby Allen? What's going to happen to Jungle Boy? What's going to happen to Orange Cassidy? And rightfully so. But the overall impact of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan is already creating waves. I think it's a done deal, right? I think we've heard reports that the Daniel Bryan stuff is done done deal. AW is is reportedly they're talking, but I don't think they do what they did this past Wednesday, Doctor Trey, with these little subtleties and going to the United Center in Chicago. If if they didn't have CM Punk under contract or at least agreed upon on a contract, your thoughts here? What is that overall impact you foresee with AW with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk going there? Well, I mean, I think it lends more credibility to the casual fan, like the people that, you know, know who Daniel Bryan is, know who CM Punk is, you know, maybe not have checked out the AEW product. That's going to bring some more eyes to it. So I think that's good. I think it gives them the ability to once again, you know, if, if they get Punk signed, going to the United Center once again, huge, you know, 
notoriety in the in the media, everything like that, because Punk's one of the most mainstream wrestlers that's been out there because of his time in the UFC and time in WWE. So uh, I think he just lends more credibility in the eyes of a lot of fans that, you know, there's those guys who are straight WWE fans who just look at anything that's not WWE as minor league. Well, now if you're look, telling me that, hey, not only is this, you know, company run by a guy who has more money than Vince, not only is it run by, you know, guys who have, strong lineage to WWE, look at, you know, Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, you know, now we're also bringing in, you know, Punk, Christian, Brian, you know, Daniel Bryan, Big Show, Mark Henry, like, there's going to be a few that knock it for saying that they're old guys, but for trying to draw the casual fans in, I think it's a great move for AEW. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I love the move. I think it's, it's bringing that credibility that you're talking about, Dr. Trey, and it's putting them on, on the, like, I think, the names of Sting and Christian Cage, Big Show, um, Mark Henry when they came over, like that got people going. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But I think it still had that WCW vibe to it, and when I, and not in a good way. Like the older wrestlers who whose times coming up that you you want to see wrestle nostalgia wise, um, and and that's great. But CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are barometer movers. Like there's probably two. In the last decade, is there any two wrestlers who are more popular with the internet fan base than CM Punk or Daniel Bryan? No. I mean, um, no. I mean, you and I have a couple of our favorites that are still in WWE and Owens and Zayn, but, and those people are, are pretty well loved. But, you know, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, the organicness of what their character growth was in WWE has been unrivaled. So, yeah, probably those two guys are definitely – top of the list if not you know two or three maybe it's not the worst yeah and then i think anybody else is is like under contract with aw right kenny omega and the young bucks very popular i think probably the only one in wwe's uh uh organization would be aj styles shinsuke maybe yeah well, i mean cesaro i mean people love cesaro ko sammy maybe finn those types of guys <laughs> basically anybody that roman reigns has beat in the last you know, nine months. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it, it it's definitely bringing a lot of credence and a lot of buzz to AEW right now and put them on a platform where I feel like right now it's it's creeping up there. AEW is knocking on that door of WWE right now, and they're really threatening them. And their their shows have been and been pretty good. I thought fight for the. I, I feel like since the live crowds have come back, like I, I think that there's a, a little bit of a of a dip down for the AEW Dynamite shows I've watched lately. Like. I thought Fighter Fest uh, night one was really good. I think that was the one where Malachi Black debuted. Night two was okay. I thought Fight for the Fallen was was all right. Like outside of the Elite versus uh, the Dark Order and Hangman Page to open up the show, I thought the show kind of was meh at, at parts. Or, or Santana Ortiz versus FDR, I was really excited about. And then obviously that that went to shit when when Cash Wheeler hurt his arm and and hopefully he's okay. The Nick Gage, Chris Jericho stuff I'll get to here later on, but uh, I feel like they've kind of gone down a little bit, but there's still that that buzz. And Punk and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, they're they're gonna make make this make this company look look pretty big, and 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 we'll see if it pans out in the viewership. They're doing pretty good. They're over a million views uh, according to to the uh, viewership ratings that are coming in, which is fantastic for them. Uh, and and I think they're putting them on a, on a level playing field if they're able to get these guys uh, under wraps. I think the thing you're starting to see these reports right now. We alluded to this 
a couple weeks ago, Dr. Trey, and just, just kind of riffing about the stuff, like how the perception of WWE wasn't all that great during the pandemic because they released a lot of guys while AEW brought a lot of people in. And now you're starting to see that perception potentially go out to the sponsors where WWE isn't necessarily making any big waves. They haven't had a huge signing in, in, in quite some time. Um, while AEW has had like big signing after big signing after big signing, sure, ex-WWE guys, but these have been big signings that are getting fans excited. Like, when was the last time that WWE signed someone that we were excited about? Adam Cole? Um, just before the pandemic, they announced Karrion Cross, who at the time was Killer Cross. That that really didn't get me, like, extremely excited. Uh, probably Adam Cole was the last one. And and that's what you need for this type of stuff right now, especially in the internet world that we're living in, Dr. Trey, is you get you, you need buzz. And, and to, to get people to tune into the product. And, and I think bringing back Goldberg and Cena creates some buzz, but it's not going to be the same level of buzz for the hardcore fans when they have potentially CM Punk and Daniel Bryan under the AW roof. Yeah. I mean, and, and the difference is, you know, WWE's most of their signings have their, their bigger signings are more for NXT and for development for the future. You know, you talk about the Coles and the killer crosses and, you know, guys of that ilk where, their top guys that they're releasing. I mean, like for one, like AEW hasn't released anybody. So there's really nobody for them to, to come after. I think the one person they did let go was Bea Priestley. She's in, she's in uh, NXT UK. So, and really there's not anybody with that, you know, great buzz in the Indies or even on impact or, you know, ring of honor right now i mean frankie monet is that a huge signing for wwe you know getting her um but when you got guys like punk and, and daniel bryan who by going to aew also have the flexibility to wrestle other promotions that's something wwe doesn't allow so it does there's more flexibility for older stars to earn higher incomes in aew than perhaps in wwe so WWE has to kind of build from the bottom up where AEW can kind of, you know, poach whenever they need something. You're hearing that the sponsors are a little bit concerned with WWE right now on how how things are going with not bringing CM Punk and Daniel Bryan back to the company. Um, some of the television partners, I should say, are the, the ones that are upset about it. Like WWE could not bring back CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, according to reports, and AEW is taking them. See if that how that pans out going forward, and, and and you know WWE's kind of been a little bit flat. You know, Cena helped help jump it up a little bit, but to AEW took a lot of those headlines away by by bringing very two popular, very star big stars and in CM Punk and, and Daniel Bryan. Um, the last part about this I'll, I'll bring up is is this quote really doesn't help things out uh, today. They had the quarterly call for shareholders for World Wrestling Entertainment. And, and when Vince McMahon was asked if he considers AEW um, competition similar to WCW, he said, quote, well, it certainly is not a situation where, quote, rising tides because that was when Ted Turner was coming after us with all of Time Warner's assets as well. Vince responded, that was a different situation. AEW is where they are. I don't really know what the plans are. All I know is what our plans are. He continued saying, I don't consider them competition the way that I would consider WCW back in the day. Not anywhere near close to that. And I'm not so sure what their investments are as far as their talent is concerned, but perhaps we can give them some more. Vince did not elaborate 
on that last line. Again, he said, I'm not so sure what their investments are as far as their talent is concerned, but perhaps we could give them some more. So he's basically saying, while not saying, it's a WCW, one, they're not competition. He said that's flat out. But two, their success is contributed by stars that they created, not what AEW has created. There's a little bit of truth to that, Dot Trey. Let's call it like we see it. But in the same sense, what WCW wasn't doing that AEW is doing right now is that they're also cre- they're elevating no you know stars that weren't well known by the mainstream, the MJFs, the Kenny Omegas of the world, up at the same time along with those WWE stars that everybody did know in John Moxley and Chris Jericho. So I thought that was a really shitty line by Vince McMahon today to say about AEW that he doesn't consider them competition because as a fan, I look at it, they're competition right now. Yeah, but Vince never. I mean, even even when WCW, uh, when Ted Turner took over WCW, Vince didn't consider them competition until basically they got to a point where he had to. Like once they kind of went head to head and he saw their numbers dropping, then he had to consider them competition. It's going to be interesting when when the Rampage show starts because they're going to go head to head with SmackDown. At that point, they are competition. It's a head to head. You know, marketable thing where you have wrestling on Fox and you have wrestling on TNT. I believe one? Rampage would air at ten, actually. So it's same so, night, just not head to head. Yeah, but I mean, it's a little bit closer. I mean, you know, um, I mean, during the heyday, like during the early run of WCW, it was this, you know the Saturday Night Show was the big show where Raw had you know where WWE had Raw on Mondays. Even before that, they had Tuesday Night Titans. It was never like a direct competition. It was like, oh, well, we got their, we got our fans. They have their fans. There was really no rivalry until Nitro went head to head with Raw. And even when you look back at Impact, when Impact decided to go head to head with Raw, they never considered Impact competition. I, I think until really it, it kicks them in the balls is when they finally acknowledge that something else is competition. And I just don't, I don't think Vince in his mind feels AEW's at that level yet. And I don't think he really feels it anywhere until it started affecting his bottom line, which I think you and I can agree. It's getting closer and closer to that point where AEW is going to start affecting their bottom line. Yeah, it's a shitty comment. It's kind of what you would perceive them to say as a company in WWE. And it's uh, it's not good. Like I've never been a big fan of both these companies taking shots at one another. I think it's ridiculous uh, and stupid. And in the same sense, they want fans to like enjoy everything, but at, at the same part, they they don't want us to. They're like, oh, watch whatever. We're yeah, everybody's friends. We're wrestling fan, you know, wrestling fans, wrestling community. And then you know they take shots at one another. It's so so BS at times. But um, yeah, I think the impact of CM Punk, Daniel Bryan signing with AEW is huge. And uh, we'll see how this gets executed here in the coming months. So it's uh, it's exciting times for professional wrestling here. This may be one of the most exciting summers we've seen since the summer of punk way back when. Um, Dr. Trey, moving forward here, is uh, taking a look at professional wrestling right now. And there's storylines galore in every one of the main shows right now. SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW. And what are some of the current storylines right now that are standing out to us that we're enjoying? I'll go first, and then I'll throw it over to you and see where the comparisons are and even your thoughts on on some of the storylines I'm I'm enjoying right now. So from a SmackDown perspective, 
I'm enjoying the Roman Reigns bloodline and whoever they're feuding with right now. I've been a big fan of the Roman Reigns Uso stuff since they uh, catapulted it last year on television. For Monday Night Raw, anything Riddle's involved with, I'm always entertained. Uh, The stuff with John Morrison and The Miz has been funny. The stuff with Omos and AJ Styles has been funny. The stuff that he did with The New Day was great. RK Bro was really good. Uh, up until, the, obviously, they pulled Randy Orton off television or he had time off, and, and he's probably due back soon. Uh, NXT, Samoa Joe, Karrion Cross. I'm enjoying where that's going. Samoa Joe now cleared for uh, being an active wrestler again. We'll face Karrion Cross at NXT TakeOver 36 for the NXT Championship. The other thing, and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that he's a favorite of ours. Cameron Grimes, LA Night stuff. The vignettes they aired on, on Tuesday night with them golfing was great. I don't know if this is leading towards an LA Knight like kind of tweener turn where like he and Cameron Grimes become a tag team and they take on the like grizzled young veterans, but I'm here for it. That would sound pretty cool. And then I think it's not there yet. It, it could quickly move into this spot, but I'm, uh, just because it started on Tuesday night, but Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, something we've been waiting for for a long time. That'll be great if uh, if they execute that really well. Moving to AEW, MJF, Jericho, Pinnacle, Inner Circle, and the Hangman page, Kenny Omega, Elite, Dark Order stuff, I've all enjoyed. That's what stable feuds, how should how they should be done. When they're done that well with what we're seeing with Pinnacle, Inner Circle, and Elite and Dark Order, it just comes off great on television. Highly entertaining. Really enjoy that stuff. So those are some of my favorite storylines right now in professional wrestling, Dr. Trey. I don't know your thoughts on some of my picks or some that are standing out to you that I may have forgotten as well. Yeah, I mean, the, on SmackDown side, the the Roman Reigns, John Cena, Finn Balor stuff, like Finn Balor showing up and then shoehorning himself in, I'm really interested to see where that goes because, I mean, are you going to have Roman, you know, just pick that because, you know, Balor's smaller? Like, what, where are they going with that? I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, you know, over to Raw, um, the stuff, sorry, the stuff with Drew and Jinder I actually like, and I think it's because you know their history. Um, and you've seen them both come from where they were at, you know, in, in 3MB to where they're at now. Like, I'm, that, I'm intrigued by that. And, and even, oh, so jump back to SmackDown, the Baron Corbin stuff. Like, I'm really interested in this because are, are they, are we, are they going to try to make us feel sorry for Baron Corbin? And are the fans mm. going to Like, that's got me really intrigued to see how that goes. Uh, NXT, you mentioned the Dakota Kai stuff. Like that was like one of my favorite things to see like, the past year, just because been waiting for it to happen. Uh, super excited about that. The Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole stuff. I, I love those guys fighting. I, they, they reminds me a lot of the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens stuff, just because they're such good friends, and you can just see it. And they're just going to go all out. Um, you know, and, and on on uh, excuse me, on AEW. I think Tuesday night or excuse me, Wednesday night was the first time I saw Ricky Starks. I went. Yeah, that guy can be a star. Like that promo he cut on Brian Cage, I thought was phenomenal. Um, he, he had the look, the charisma, everything that. And then, this, like you said, mentioned with the stuff with um, the elite and the dark order, I thought that was really. I didn't really care for the basketball goal aspect of it, but just those guys going back and forth, I thought was great. Um, the Jericho MJF feud, I like, but maybe not this past Wednesday's edition of it. Uh, but Pinnacle, uh, Elite, I mean, it should be Pinnacle and Inner Circle. That rivalry is going to be great. So th- that's those are the ones off the top of my head that I've been really enjoying and, or interested in. 
I thought you brought up a really good one there with the Baron Corbin stuff on uh, on SmackDown because at the beginning I, I wasn't really sure where things were going, and now we're seeing him kind of become a sympathetic babyface where Kevin Owens is is giving him money, defending him from uh, Dolph Ziggler and and Robert Roode stealing his money. So it looks like maybe a KO Baron Corbin tag team match against those two. But when it comes to Corbin, right, don't you still feel like that at some point the shoe's going to drop where he becomes a heel again and gets money and turns his back on on KO or whoever, you know, helps him out during this time? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like with him, it's it's he's so good at being the douchey heel. And we've seen it from NXT, the character he had there, the Lone Wolf character, all the way through Raw, the King Corbin, even when he was GM Corbin. Like, he's really, really good at being just that douchey heel that nobody likes. And he's done it for so long. It's like, when are we going to see, like, that redeeming trait? Like, we've seen it with Miz. You know, we've seen other guys who are great heels but can be passable, acceptable baby faces. When are we going to see that with, with Baron where it's like, all right, I kind of feel bad for him. Like, even, like, the promos he's cut at times, I'm like, yeah, I still just think he's a dick that lost his money. So I don't know if I can feel bad for him. So... It's going to be really interesting to see how well they pull this off because, or where they go with it. Because right now I'm just looking at it going, yeah, I still don't like the guy. Like I haven't seen that moment where I'm like, yeah, I feel bad for him. I just it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's some good stuff there being on NXT or excuse me SmackDown television each week. Uh, I've enjoyed the Baron Corbin stuff since uh, since they catapulted it. They made him look like a sympathetic baby face. And uh, we'll see how the crowd reacts to him going forward because they're all kind of like laughing, but it's getting to the point where you're like, oh man, maybe I feel bad for this guy. Now that one of like the top baby faces on the SmackDown brand, Kevin Owens, is defending him, it's making you scratch your head a little bit, going, hmm, where are they going with this? Are they doing what they th- what I think they're doing? Because this could be uh, this could be interesting if they do a little baby face run with Baron Corbin, one who was again going back to the beginning of the show, people that played kayfabe pretty well. Baron Corbin was one of those guys for a period of time that you just disliked and he wanted you to dislike him and not for the cool reasons. He wanted you to dislike him for all the reasons that a heel should be. Um, moving forward here, this past Wednesday night, AW dynamite, Dr. Trey, we had, uh, the second labor of Jericho where Chris Jericho took on, uh, death match legend, Nick gauge in a no rules match, which was a death match of sorts. On TNT, on AEW, I, I read just before the show came on that uh, Domino's Pizza was not too happy about the pizza cutter spot. And then they went to immediate picture-in-picture, picture, and the first commercial that was shown was Domino's Pizza. Everybody thought it was amazing uh, time or commercial timing by them, or, or very smart on Domino's and AEW's part. Domino's actually disavowed the entire thing and is saying that they're uh, cons- reconsidering their sponsorships with AW programming um, right now, which is something that you kind of pay for when, when you have that match. So with that said, Dr. Trey, we, we've saw Nick Gage take on Chris Jericho. I'll even take a step back and say, you know, the Nick Gage um, dark side of the ring kind of brought some spotlight on him and, and Game Changer Wrestling. And then his most recent feud with Matt Cardona and Game Changer Wrestling they got a ton of internet buzz over the weekend where Matt Cardona defeated Nick Gage to become the new GCW champion in a death match. And he was just extremely bloody and they were pelting trash at him. Um, they wanted Nick Gage to kill Chelsea Green. Um, not sure if that's that's good. But nonetheless, we're, we're finding a, uh, 
a spotlight again. Uh, John Moxley brought back deathmatch wrestling, really, in AEW, in my opinion, to the forefront with some of his matches with Kenny Omega and Lance Archer in the past year and a half plus. So has deathmatch wrestling found a renaissance lately here in the United States? My standpoint, and this is probably not the most popular opinion, I watched the Jericho Gage match. I don't know if you did, Dr. Trey. Nick Gage as a performer, not that good, right? Not Does not have like a lot of professional wrestling skill. It it looked he looked kind of green, like being thrown into the into the uh, the the steel barriers on the outside of the ring, kind of clumsy. But then you get him in that death match element, and he looks like a million bucks. So we're seeing a lot of death matches now. Moxley Omega, Moxley Archer, Nick Gage has worked just in general. It's getting a ton of buzz on the internet. Most recently, the Nick Gage Chris Jericho match, which is. Kind of controversial right now. We'll see where things go with AEW. At least AEW did tip off TNT. They were going that way. Where do you stand on this? Is Deathmatch finding a renaissance? And do you think it has a spot in today's professional wrestling? So I'm probably going to get um, some heat from this from, from friends of mine who are in the Deathmatch community. But Deathmatch wrestling is a spot fest. And for people who hate the flippy, the flippy stuff but love Deathmatch wrestling, to me, it's kind of the same thing. Like you're relying on gimmicks and not storytelling. You're relying on athleticism and not the build. And and honestly, that match on Wednesday night, I watched it because I was interested. I've never seen Nick Gage wrestle. I've heard about him from countless people, countless friends of mine. And you know, maybe the stage was too bright, maybe the lights were too bright, but that was probably maybe the worst main event match I have seen from quote unquote credible professional wrestlers. We've seen more with, you know, people who aren't full time wrestlers, but from two guys that are full time wrestlers, like I felt bad for Jericho for having to really carry that match and make it watchable. Like I there was nothing about it where I at, at the end of it I'm like, well that was cool. Like nothing. Like the, the coolest part to me about that whole match was MJF saying that Jericho's fighting Hoovensuit next week. Like that was like, I just, I, I didn't get it. I, I understand the storyline and then, you know, bloody and beat him up and everything else like that. But from a wrestling match perspective, I didn't like it. G- Gage is supposed to be a mercenary, but he's playing to the crowd. Like, I didn't like anything about that match. And this is one of the things that, that the knock on deathmatch wrestling and, and growing up in the South, we have a lot of it. Uh, and, and being friends with the IWM guys at IWM Mid-South and down here in, the, in, in my area, the knock on it was always these guys aren't great wrestlers but they know how to work a crowd and they know how to and, and they're willing to sacrifice their bodies for it and they do get paid very well for it um but if you're looking for a great wrestling match death matches aren't great wrestling matches they're spectacles so if you con if you put it in that context of i'm watching a spectacle great but for just entertainment value sometimes i get lost when you look at like a moxley omega that's two great wrestlers that are having a death match Two guys that are just deathmatch wrestlers having a match is not going to be the same thing. So it might be enjoying a renaissance because there's still a lot of people in our age bracket that miss the ECW days, that miss the hardcore days, that miss the blood, all that stuff. But I mean, if 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 I tune into that show as a young wrestling fan, I don't mean a kid, but like in my twenties, hey, the blood's cool, but am I really getting anything out of that? And I just, I just to me that just that whole that whole segment just fell flat for me. 
Yeah, I didn't think it was very good. Uh, I did not think it was a good match. Uh, I, I think it was very clear that Jim Ross was not comfortable with the wrestling that was going on. I think that was pretty clear to Dr. Trey. Like, he was extremely close to saying, like, how shitty it was. I mean, when, when they brought out the light tubes... And he's like, oh, they're they're cheering for the light tubes. Like you just tell there was disdain in his voice that he had to be calling that match on on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, you could tell. Like, I mean, usually, if you're watching, if you're if you're watching AEW match, Jim Ross is chiming in all the time. And after about the first like three minutes or four minutes of that match, he almost went silent. And it was really Excalibur and Tony kind of carrying the match, and occasionally Ross would say something. You, you just you felt it goes back to the early days of AEW when they was when he would bitch about the entrance ramp or other stuff. It kind of had that same feeling of like, what in the hell are we actually doing with Chris Jericho at the main event, and this is our main event? Yeah, it was. It was not. It was not good. It was not good at all. It was not a good match. I, I'm not a fan of deathmatch wrestling because I feel like it's very repetitive. Uh, light tubes, um, panes of glass. Like we've seen that song and dance plenty of times. With now the pizza cutter is is like a you know a gruesome spot and, and gets people to look at it on on the internet. But even now it, it's you know you're seeing it all the time. It, it's just it's it's not safe. And we're just coming from a time where pretty recently you had heard about um, the staff infections and and the blood issues that were going on in the ring and and how wrestling needed to clean it up. And that's been probably one of my number one complaints about AEW is that WWE will get knocked all the time for the way that they handle concussions and blood and all that stuff and how they shouldn't have been doing it all these years and it wasn't safe and blah, 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 blah. AEW comes along and they start bringing back blood again and people aren't bitching about it. And I, and I don't think that's good. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. So I don't think there's a spot. I don't think there's a place in wrestling nowadays for this. I mean, it's not a wrestling match. It's just it's just two guys assaulting each other with weapons, Doctor Trey. That's really essentially it, right? Yeah, I mean, blood. I mean, blood for the sake of blood has never been. I've never been a fan of it. Uh, you know, I, you and I sat here and I, I I bitched about Cody Rhodes busting himself open all the time. You know, when he was TNT champion, you know, running headfirst into a wall for no apparent reason against another baby face like blood for the sake of blood is not good for wrestling now there are times when you have those moments where it could increase the intensity increase the storytelling you know getting color at the right moment can make a lot of difference in the world you know it's just like you know go back to the the, you know to me like the few with you know sean and chris jericho from years ago and you know jericho punched his wife you know and when somebody got busted open and a rivalry like that, you're like, wow, this is really super intense. I mean, Jericho started bleeding in the first 30 seconds of the match with the cut across the arm. And then, it's, and plus, the other parts of that match was like, you can clearly see the camera cut away for somebody using a blade to, to get color. Like, it was, to me, it's just, it was just a spectacle um, and not a very well done spectacle, which made it even worse for somebody to watch. Yeah, it just was not any good. So I think we're both on the bandwagon that there is not a renaissance of of deathmatch wrestling coming right now, Doctor Try. No, like I said, like if it's done correctly, like you go back to the Moxley Omega matches, those were pretty good. Like I didn't mind those, but those are two great wrestlers performing with those gimmicks around them. You know, and, and in those cases, it's like all right, that's Moxley's background. Omega's trying to step in that world. 
But there's a huge difference between John Moxley, professional wrestler, and Nick Gage, professional wrestler. That's true. I, I think you I think you said it really well. I mean, Omega and Moxley are two great in-ring performers. Nick Gage is not. I, I hope he doesn't find me, but he's not, right? I mean, that's essentially it. He's great at what he does at Deathmatch, but doing like pound for pound with Jericho, I mean, that's probably not his cup of tea. Probably being in there with Jericho was not the right thing for him in, in that spot with AEW. And I will say this, Nick Gage lives closer to you than he does to me. So. Yeah, he's a scary individual. So maybe I should delete that. Uh, next part, Karen Cross. He lost on Raw a couple weeks ago to Chris, uh, Chris Jericho. Jeff Hardy defeated Keith Lee. Why they're jabbing on Keith Lee, I don't know. Uh, this past Monday night on Raw, and uh, according to reports, he was set to lose. Had Jeff Hardy, and he re- they were supposed to have a rematch. Jeff Hardy, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19. Hopefully, he's doing all right, and that match had to be changed. According to uh, reports via Wrestling Inc., it was indicated by Andrew Zarin on the Matman podcast that the plan has been for Cross to keep losing on Raw until Scarlett shows up. The potential plan would see Scarlett showing up to bring Cross back on track with the idea being she possesses what it takes to unleash the Warrior or the Gladiator within Cross. Cross delivered a post-Raw promo this week where he promised that he and Hardy are not finished with each other. That could be set up for Hardy defeating Cross again and continuing the loss, which would mean WWE just fed Lee to Cross this week. There's no word on when Hardy will be back in action or clear from the COVID-19 diagnosis. On a related note, it was recently reported how Cross's debut loss to Hardy led to a lot of shock within NXT, while fans and wrestlers online also spoke out against the creator behind the loss. Zarian noted on Mattman that one WWE source wondered why people were so up in arms over the loss because it's actually deemed something bigger. It was said that the match doesn't really matter as much as the story does. Scarlett, who has also been absent from some of Cross's recent NXT TV appearances, took to Twitter after Monday, Monday's Lee vs. Cross match and apparently posted a tweezer, teaser for upcoming plans. Patience is a virtue, she wrote. Cross is set to defend the NXT title against Samojo at TakeOver 36 event on Sunday, August 22nd, which is the day after SummerSlam. Dr. Trey, does that change your tune on Karen Cross's loss to Jeff Hardy a couple weeks ago where it's supposed to lead to something bigger? And this is one of the cases where us as fans is just kind of having too much of a knee-jerk reaction initially. Uh, so first of all, let me kind of piece my thing. I, I heard people like you know complaining about Lee losing to to Lashley and carrying Cross, and they're like, "Well, he just lost to the two top guys in each of their promotions. That's not necessarily a bad thing. He was competitive. They were good matches. He came up a little bit short. So that's not always a bad thing. Uh, the carrying Cross stuff to me is mind boggling uh, because on one hand you'll have WWE act like Hey, all these brands are intertwined. The W or the women's tag team champions will show up on NXT and they'll talk about NXT. But then you have a guy who's undefeated NXT lose to a guy that struggled to beat Cedric Alexander. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, if it leads to something bigger, fantastic, and we can uh, you know correct course and be like, hey, that was great freaking storytelling. But right now, the story is the story is being written in a way that I can't follow along. I'm completely lost and, and kind of confused. It's kind of like watching, you know, the last season of Lost and just going. I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, hopefully, the the ending's better than that show was because right now I'm just looking, and going. This doesn't make any sense to fans of WWE who watch all the shows because they're supposed to be intertwined. 
but apparently we're not supposed to remember that Karrion Cross was basically undefeated in NXT, but can lose to Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think you hit it right on the head, and we've discussed this in the past, is that WWE doesn't acknowledge what happens on Raw, uh, NXT, and SmackDown. Like, you're supposed to be looking at each one of these shows as completely different, right? Even though it's under the same banner, they don't always tie into one another. It's it's like the cinematic universe that's, that's separate lanes of traffic, and that's what makes no sense to me. I, I've always hated when... Uh, on NXT, I'll watch the War Raiders, and when they, they get called up to Raw, they're known as the Viking Experience, and we shit all over it, so they change it to the Viking Raiders. Um, I hate that, and then they change their names. It's like, why are we doing that? Why are we changing wrestlers' names when they come from NXT to Raw or SmackDown? Why are we treating it so completely different than what we're used to? Shotzi and Knox. I, I, the w- days before Tegan Knox returned, they ran promos for weeks on end, hyping up her return, where she was going to confront Candice LeRae. That's not happening now, Dr. Trey. It, she's on SmackDown. Candice remained on NXT. Like, I hate that shit. Like, why is there no consistency with their own programming, even though it's different shows? It makes no sense to guys like you and I that watch Raw on Monday, NXT on Tuesday, SmackDown on Fridays. Why are they treating us like we need to just completely forget about it and do the men in black thing every single time they they make a change with no rhyme nor reason? Yeah, like I still haven't figured that out. Like because they'll Raw and SmackDown, they they treat each other like equal entities. So when somebody jumps from Raw to SmackDown or vice versa, everybody's like, "Oh, well, that's great," and they acknowledge it, and they're all for it, and everything's great. And then when it's convenient, they'll mention NXT. You know, it, it was it's just barely over a year since we had NXT show up and, you know, invade SmackDown because of all the travel. Actually, a little longer, almost two years now with all the travel issues. And they made a big thing about that. And then, you know, they mentioned guys when they make their debut. They're like, oh, this person here is a former NXT champion or this person here, former NXT tag team champions. But then it's like, but don't go watch that show because we're not going to make that same character when they come to the main roster. It's like. It, it, it's I don't sometimes I don't think that WWE knows how to treat NXT. Like, is it an equal brand? Is it developmental? Is it some kind of weird hybrid? Is it basically like some kind of space monster that roams around the universe and just occasionally pops out little people for them to gobble up on the main roster and exploit and then you know basically fire for no apparent reason and then get shipped to AEW? So I, I don't think anybody really knows how WWE actually views NXT. Overall, I don't think Triple H and Vince agree on how NXT is viewed. So that's probably the biggest reason why we have issues like this. And Jeff says shit like six times in a diatribe. Well, it drives me nuts because it's it's a waste of time as a fan, right? I mean, ultimately, that's it, right? I mean, when you sit there as a diehard fan like we do, and we do a podcast about it, and you watch the shows because you enjoy it and they're entertaining, and you as a viewer get time and time again treated like crap, um, like, how else are you supposed to react to it? Like, it's like, I'm not supposed to be paying attention to their other products and just completely forget about stuff. It makes no sense. Yeah, it, it, it's really, it, it's literally, we're talking about baseball. It's like the Yankees have this great prospect who's a second baseman, you know, at, was it was Columbus or Wilkes-Barre, your AAA? Scranton, so, yeah, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. So you got a great second baseman at Scranton that they're getting ready to call up, and they call him up and they go, oh, yeah, by the way, now he's a catcher. Like, wait, no, I've been following his career for the last yeah. 
And his first name is John. Okay, we're going to call him Dave. Yeah. John, the second baseman, is now Dave, the catcher. It's like, that makes no sense. So what? He was a great second baseman. Why are we making him a catcher? Uh, Because that didn't count. We know best. We're the Yankees. You know, it's like, that's just, it's, it's so mind, you know, mind numbingly stupid at times. Uh, speaking of stuff that could be mind-numbingly stupid, staying with Monday Night Raw, last thing I want to bring up here, Dr. Trey, is so far the very early title run of Raw Women's Champion Nikki A.S.H., who did have a name change. She was Nikki Ash and then became Nikki A.S.H., maybe because it sounds like Nikki Ass sometimes. Um, I feel like this Raw Women's Championship run so far is not believable. It reminds me so much of the Rey Mysterio as the World Heavyweight Champion, I think, back in 2006, after uh, at 2005, yeah, 2006, when Eddie Guerrero unfortunately tragically passed away. Where you know, that Rey Mysterio run, you, you just you wanted to get behind him and you liked that he was champion and you were all for him, but you never felt like he was an actual world champion. Some may also say that Kofi uh-huh. Kingston kind of had a very similar thing following WrestleMania 35 and the way that he was swallowed up by Brock Lesnar months later. So far, Monday Night Raw I watched, like, Nikki A.S.H. is not getting that much of a reaction. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley look to be overpowering o- over her right now. I do expect currently that the way that this is being booked as a triple threat match for SummerSlam, that Nikki A.S.H. will retain the championship. But thus far, like, it just doesn't feel like she belongs. And sometimes that's not a good thing, right? You like a good underdog story. But for whatever reason, when it comes to WWE in particular, they don't execute it all that great. Your thoughts here. Is Nikki A.S.H. coming off as a believable Raw Women's Champion? And does it have those early vibes that we've seen before with people like a Rey Mysterio when they've held the world champion in the past where it's the underdog that you least expect sitting on top of all the world in professional wrestling? See, it really reminds me of Daniel Bryan after he cashed in his money in the bank uh, on uh, Mark Henry. Where he had, you know, Big Show basically doing all the work for him, and then he could get a win. You know, he's sneaking a win here and there because he was so undersized in comparison to the other two people around him. And you see the same thing here. You see Rhea, you see, you know, uh, Charlotte, and then there's little Nikki. You know, not the movie, but the actual Nikki Ash Ash character. Um, I don't think the older fans are behind it because a lot of us remember the Molly Hollies and the Hurricane Helms and you know, um, the other superhero, uh, Rosie, you know, like we remember that stuff, you know, but so for us, it's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a knockoff of those things. But I was this, I have young kids in my house. They like the character. So I think the kids are behind it. Whereas the older folks are there yet, because we like our characters to have an edge. We like them to have that little bit of a, uh, of a dog in the fight type mentality. I don't think we've seen that out of, this version of Nikki. Um, but it, it's still developing. And I just think that it's just, they don't know how to book it right because they've already built the other two of them to be so athletically superior to everybody else in the division. How can you keep Nikki winning other than just flukes? And so that's why it reminds me of that Daniel Bryan run back in. That's a good point. 2007? 2007? Eight? No, 2010, I think it was. When he was World Heavyweight Champion after cashing in. Yeah, yeah. That's another. That's a great example as well. That was another one where you're like, I'm so excited they're champion, and then they're champion, and it never feels like they're an actual champion. It's yeah. extremely annoying. Yeah, I mean, in CM Punk, his first run. Yeah, that was a bad run. 
food. So, like, there are comparisons because they don't know how to book a small baby face against big people without it being flukish and not look serious. I mean, that's one thing AEW does better than WWE is, you know, you see Darby Allen in the ring with Brian Cage, and you're like, there's no way that Darby should be able to hang, but somehow they put the match together where it makes sense. You just don't see that in WWE when it comes to a small person versus a big person. No, you don't. And right now, so far, the Nikki A.S.H. stuff, I, I just did not like with with night one as her Raw Women's Champion. I thought the no reaction from the crowd was not good, and she was trying um, I do think that there's a believable storyline there that can get people behind it and everybody can relate to, but I just always felt like WWE doesn't execute this stuff really well. And thus far, it's making me feel like that while she will retain at SummerSlam the way that this match is booked, uh, she's still looking very inferior to people in the ring when it comes to Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley standing side by side with her. So it's it's not a good thing. I, I think a lot of great examples there, Rey Mysterio when he was world champion, the CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, those first world title wa- runs, to bring it all back from the beginning of the show. Uh, Kofi Kingston, even as world champion pretty recently, it just never seems to work out. Whenever you have the underdog on top of the wrestling world landscape of the promotion that they're working in, in this case, Monday Night Raw, it just never pans out all that great. So hopefully things turn out better uh, for Nikki A.S.H. than it did those other four previously mentioned. But um, we sound like curmudgeon wrestling fans now. But that's the way it is. I wish we were came into it very happy, excited, but then we end as Carmichael wrestling fans, like we always do. So, uh, with that said, it's the perfect time to wrap up this week's edition of the show. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Store Real Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. When you're on Facebook, check out Rocky Scene Championship Wrestling. They actually have a really big show coming up this Friday, a cross-promotional show with the AIWF, or AIWF Wrestling and OVW. So that's bringing in OVW stars. AIWF stars into Rocket City for a uh, bunkhouse brawl rumble, which I have never seen, so I'm actually looking forward to checking that out. So be sure to follow them on the Facebook page and check out what they're doing. All right, go there and support all the great things that support the Still Real Toss show. Uh, once again, two weeks' time now, and two shows from now will be at our 600th episode of SRTU, and we will be looking back at the pandemic era of professional wrestling. Uh, and of course, we will be back next week on August the 5th to uh, recap everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. August 12th, the 600th episode, looking back at uh, the pandemic era of professional wrestling, which hopefully is coming to an end uh, rather soon. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Beck. Stay safe. This is The Still Real Post Show.
Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.